Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Man at your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled if you've got a pulse. This podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, guess what? Jesus has more for you. Come on. We have been called to communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new man. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us every single day in the Holy Eucharist. So really excited about our episode today. I'm in the, I'm in the state of Missouri. I was going to say great state of Missouri, but I'm like, ah, I just can't do that. You know, as a, can- <laughs> as a Kansas native, I just can't do it. But really excited to introduce our, our guest. But just to, before I do that, I want to say thank you to everybody out there who's left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive. He's about a good work and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, why? Because when people are searching for things pertaining to faith or about the faith or a faith or whatever, the higher ranked shows with more reviews are going to come up higher up in their search results. So thanks for everybody who's out there who has done that. And if you haven't done that, guess what? There's still time. Please review. You rock. God bless you. Okay. So our guests today are the one and I'm not say one and only because you're two and only the two and only. Uh, that's weird to say. Catherine Cheney and Shelby Gambino. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yes. Such a blessing to be with you here, Lee. Actually, Missouri is not that bad. I live on the Kansas side um, as well, but well, Missouri's a wonderful blessing too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just... I need to get over myself. <laughs> so, okay. For those who don't know you, who are you? Well, um, I'm actually the director of City on a Hill, an apostolate serving young adults around yeah. the Kansas City metro area. Um, we actually are currently in the City on a Hill offices. Um, City on a Hill provides outreach and formation um, through a variety of events like sports leagues, adoration, small groups, retreats. Yeah. So such a gift to be here today. Yeah, and um, I'm Shelby. I work with Catherine here at City on a Hill. I'm our community experience manager, so I put on a lot of our events, work with our data, basically nice. anyone who comes to City on a Hill, kind of um, hopefully creating a great experience for them. Yeah. Cool. You bring the fire I and the go- food. Golly, I hope so. Yeah. And the fun. Yeah. She brings charcuterie but bouquets. That's what she brings. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Catherine, I, you just got married recently, right? I did. Sort of recently? Not recently. Well, over a year ago, we so actually really. have a four-month-old daughter. Let's so go. Family life rocks. Yes, <laughs> it does. You. It's so loud and crazy and fun, right? Chaos is is family life, but yeah. you know it's a good kind of chaos mm-hmm. where you're transformed and life is more beautiful. So right, yeah, I compared it the other day to uh, like winning the lottery, but you can't spend any of that money, and it's always in front of you, and it can uh, spontaneously combust into flames at any moment, <laughs> and you can't nap, you can't sleep. Yeah, it's like that kind of feeling. Yeah, if you if you're a parent who like does not drink coffee, I'm I'm very interested in meeting you and knowing how you survive. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, congrats on your baby. What's their name? Madeline Carmel. Madeline Carmel. Let's go. Yeah. Have you been to Carmel? I haven't. Um, Carmel is actually like 
because of my husband's and my devotion to the Carmelite charism, yeah. which is just an order in the church that's super devoted to um, deepening prayer life. Yeah. And um, so we picked that patron and that name for her. Cool. Um, yeah, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, right, is the origin of that Carmelite spirituality. Is that right? Yeah, in a way. Um, it's actually kind of related to Carmel, which is a mountain in Israel where yeah. Elijah went to pray. Right. And so it's a, a deeply contemplative, prayerful right. um, place. And so Our Lady's patronage of that just recognizes that Mary, as the mother of Jesus, had such a deep prayerful intimacy with right. him. So Yeah. And that was what I was referencing, that place on the coast of the Mediterranean. It's so wildly beautiful. Look it up. It's crazy. Shelby's been there this year. You've been there? I got to go to the Holy Let's Land this go. year. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's right. It was right when everything was... Was that... Did you, did you just get back? I, I went in August. Okay. So, yeah. So not quite. So, yeah. We, we were a little Praise removed. God. You were back in time. Yeah. Before the turmoil ensued. Pray for Israel. Absolutely. Wow. Pray for Israel. Okay. So what's, uh, yeah, I mean, give everybody like an update on, okay, you said a little bit about your job description, but like, what's your season of life? Like, what's your state of life right now? Well, right now yeah. I am um, married to Liam. He's an aerospace engineer and we together love to host a lot. We have family and friends over often and... Um, one of the important things for us as a couple is to just have an open door policy mm. where anyone's ready. We're ready for anyone to stop by at any point. Cool. And there's an unspoken yes. If, if somebody wants to come over for dinner, we don't even need to ask each other. It's just yeah. a part of our policy as a family. And we just welcomed our little girl, Madeline, yeah. which um, has deepened our marriage in so many ways. Yeah. I think that's only... Um, really made us reflect more deeply on what it means to be married to each other and to love each other well. Yeah, could not agree more. Gosh, kids make, they, I mean, my wife and I's marriage just like is, is blossoming, like just continuing to blossom. You think it stops blossoming? It doesn't stop blossoming. It just gets even, it gets bigger and more beautiful as they grow and they stretch you and they push you and you have to love each other more deeply uh, mm -hmm. So that you can pour in more deeply to those kids. Oh, it's just so good. It's so good. And actually, one thing that as a family we've realized is that if we are not loving each other well, then we're actually not loving Jesus very well. And so it's been cool to like look at our discipleship journeys also through that lens that now, yeah. yes, I want to be close to Jesus through prayer and the sacraments as ever, but now I also have to love him through my spouse. So that's been, um, yeah, a new, a new challenge to receive the gospel and um, encounter Jesus through my spouse. Yes and amen. Preach it, Pastor. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love marriage. I will talk about it to whoever um, I can. And I actually love matchmaking. That's one of my hobbies. Nice. So That's, let's bring people into the vocation. If you are out there and you're looking for a honey, talk to Catherine. Oh, okay. gosh. I'm, I'm going to get lots of emails now, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Shelby, what about you? What's your season of life look like? Yeah, so uh, newly married. I got married in go. June. Yeah, so coming up on Can I give a six high five months. The table? Yeah. High five. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I echo Catherine. Marriage is the best. Um, I got married to my wonderful husband, Tony. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. We're we're Northlanders. So for those of you um, who don't know, Northland um, is in Missouri. Sorry, Lee. It's okay. Um, but we love it. I grew up there. Um, went to St. Pius. Platte City. 
No, actually, I, I grew up kind of near Zona Rosa, near the airport. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So went to St. Pius the 10th High School, grew up there, and now we're, yeah, we're settling down there. So Sweet. It's, it's awesome. Cool. Do you have a dog? No, no, no. You cat we, people. No, it, my, my husband really wants a pet, but we're in an apartment right now, and I'm right. like, I just don't think that that's fair to when the animal. We, my, my wife and I, when we first uh, got married, we, you know, we had this nice little apartment, and, uh, well, we decided to get a Great Dane lab mix. So, um, yeah, it really made it feel full. <laughs> uh, for yeah, sure. I'll bet. Yeah, when your dog lays on the couch, he takes up the whole couch. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, we have, we have high hopes, and I, I've told them as soon as we get into a house and have a yard, there will definitely be some animals, but we're holding off well, for Well, I know now. there's that KC Pet Project down there on yeah, in Zona Rosa. Yeah. We got one of our pups there once mm-hmm. upon a time. Cool it's, place. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay, dogs and cats and babies and marriage. So, so Catherine, take me back to the beginning. Like, what is your story of falling in love with Christ? Like, where were you? What happened? And, yeah. Yeah, so... I was actually really blessed to be raised in a very faithful Catholic family, but no matter what your setting or background, I've noticed like it's always Jesus's initiative to encounter you. Right. So I was, you know, four or five ish maybe, Mm. and, um, just had a really deep sense that God was very present to me and that he could see Mm. everything I was doing and that I wanted to please him. And so that was, you know, as a child, that was my first initial encounter with him. Um, but then the really more personal love relationship, which obviously like as kids grow, grow a little older, Mm -hmm. you become more capable of that. Um, my my grandma and my parents would take me to adoration um and so i would just go and color and lie on the floor and not pay much attention you'd be a kid right like that was my mode of operating so i'm not like saying like i was like super um prayerful and everything i just was there and then i remember at one point putting down the crayons and the coloring books and just looking up at the host um the little the little circle of bread that we know is Jesus, mm-hmm. actually, right? And I just all of a sudden made that connection. Wait, Jesus is there, and yeah. He loves me so deeply. And I I just was able to encounter that love for the first time, and I felt so deeply seen and loved and known that like it just really captured my life and my attention. Wow. Um. And so really like it it wasn't in these words. I didn't even know to use these words at the time, but I basically committed my whole life to Jesus Mm. at that point and even considered, you know, becoming a religious sister, um, you know, a nun. But I actually um, only considered that as part of that like full on commitment to I just want to be in love with Jesus Christ. Right. So that's how it started. Wow. So you you were a child when you had this moment of like deep encounter and you were just coloring. Come on. Man, yesterday, my kids, not to, you know, mirror or reflect any, I'm not going to juxtapose my story onto you at all, but just saying like yesterday, we're praying the rosary. I'm like, all right, kids, listen. They're, they were coloring. They were doing Play-Doh at the table. And I'm like, listen, we're going to pray the rosary. Okay. You, do, you can do one of two things. You can build a church. You can color a picture for Jesus. Or you can come over here with us and, and you can pray rosary with us. And they, they did. Like they colored churches and like crosses and stuff and just did like a bunch of Jesus coloring. Like DIY on, on the back of some like cardboard box or whatever. And it's like, 
I think sometimes as parents, we miss that. And just, yeah, word, word of the wise, like let kids be kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like sometimes we can be super rigid or my, my problem was like, I was super rigid about like, we're praying together now. And if you, you got to do this the way that I do this, because I want you to be a mini me kind of like, but that's not, that's not how kids work. And it's not how Jesus works either, that yeah. he takes the initiative. So I was just in the, you know, in the setting where he could encounter me and I could respond yeah. to him. And so I really am fully of the belief that little kids even can encounter Jesus because sure. of that. And so it makes me excited for my own kids to give them um, the setting and the opportunities to encounter Jesus themselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the saints, there's, there's stories all over the place of the, just like some of the greatest saints having these beautiful, life-changing encounters with Jesus as a child, as children. So yeah, it's totally within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you had this moment of encounter in the Adoration Chapel. You put your pencils or your crayons or whatever it was down and you just looked at this, the, the accidents of bread, right? The, the accidentals is what they're, well, I'm using some philo- philosophical terms for you. These, you looked at this, what looked like just this piece of, this little like wafer, but you knew it was Jesus. He was warm, it was inviting, and you, without using the words per se, you, you gave your life to Christ. How beautiful. What, uh, what did that look like growing up for you then? So, um, I was really blessed to really like soak in the witness of different people Mm. and how they would love Jesus. And so I would just pay attention to all of that. So I had someone in my life share how they make sacrifices, Mm. um, you know, offering up some discomfort or something small as an act of love for Jesus and how that could actually affect, um, souls like other people, with needs around the world who don't know the gospel, who are suffering in various ways right. that I can actually have an impact on them through offering up something small, um, some small inconvenience or discomfort. Right. And so that really inspired me. So I really committed myself to like, what things can I give mm. up? Like I can let my sister have the really nice like candy or whatever, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that type of thing was in, in my small way, how I could love Jesus. And, um, I also really like wanted to learn more about the saints particularly because mm. I saw them as like examples for me. So I, I liked, you know, to read those saint books, but one of the hardest things, um, was just figuring out like how to, how to grow and, like deepen my love for Jesus. Like, what does that look like for me personally? Right. That led me to discern religious life for a little bit and becoming a religious sister. And eventually I, I had to realize, I think God's calling me to be in the world. Um, and I have to figure out and discern concretely what that looks like to love Jesus. Well, um, through these mediums of work life and friendships and, um, yeah, and and I and I realized at one point I was overcomplicating it. Like I want to love Jesus so well, I want to be so zealous right. and do all these things for Him, and it was just such a deep realization to realize, and very very powerful to realize that no matter what I'm doing, I could be like literally sweeping the floor yeah. or you know like driving to work, and that little action can be an act of love for Jesus. Right. He's just He's there in my soul all the time yeah he says he he promises to be there you know yeah and so i don't need to worry Mm -hmm. about how much i love jesus he's going to give me opportunities to do so in every moment yeah be careful what you pray for (laughs) because like lord give me faith and then you're 
trials all all around. So, but yeah, the it's, it's very an Opus Day, you know, offer it up kind of um, spirituality of like offering uniting my small sacrifices with the sacrifice of Christ, and those being meritorious, like they actually are efficacious. Like those those things when we give those little sacrifices to Jesus, they actually win grace. They win grace for ourselves and for whatever it is that we're offering offering them up for. And not only that, they give us a chance to worship, really. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like a sacrifice united with Jesus's sacrifice on the cross, which is there in the Eucharist all the time. Like whenever, you know, I go to mass, I can bring all those little moments from my life and just lay them on the altar united with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they get to be received by the Father in that way. It's like, you know worship that's right. so cool yeah when the offertory happens like that that moment like when everyone's passing the basket around and it's such an easy thing to do as parents too like if if you want your kids to participate don't just like have them pass the basket but bring some coins let them put them in there and it's like they look forward to it the whole beginning of mass and then after the mass they're just beaming because they got to put coins in the basket and pass the <laughs> basket to grandpa it's like that i don't know little things go a super long way but putting our sacrifices in the basket yeah. as well yeah it's so powerful because they actually go to the altar. They go to the altar. They're placed at the at the foot of the altar. They're, you know, spiritually placed on the altar. How wonderful. So what orders were you discerning with exactly? I spent two and a half years with the, with the Dominican sisters in Michigan, the mm. Dominican sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. And what city are they in? Ann Arbor. Okay. But yeah. yeah, it was super beautiful formation. Just, you know, five hours of prayer a day, yeah. classes, going out and doing apostolic work too, um, you know, parish missions right. or teaching kids, yeah. that kind of thing. Did they, they wrote the, the, the Catholic field guide to virtue, right? Did you know what I'm talking about with that? I think so. There's definitely something that I, I actually helped with a little bit that was a virtue program for kids in schools to like handle discipline mm. and disciplinary issues through like actually encouraging virtue, which is the positive habit. Right. That's part of the Dominican spirituality is to look at the Christian life through that lens of virtue that yeah. you're not just like avoiding sin or removing sin, you're replacing it with a virtue. Right. When something's rooted up, something needs to be put in its place. Um, and we don't want the same thing to come back. Yeah. No dandelions yeah. here, folks. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, cool. So you discerned and and then Leon came in the picture. Yeah. When was that? So three, uh, three-ish years ago, Liam and I met on Catholic Match. And it was a super weird thing where as soon as I saw his profile, I decided to go on for a month and then was going to cancel for a while. Sure. And happened to go on. And just saw saw his profile somehow and was like, wait, why does this person just seem so familiar? Mm. Like, and everything I've been really like dreaming for in a spouse, he actually has all those qualities. I think like this might be my future spouse, like oddly enough. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. We actually were born in the same small town in California and lots of other strange like similarities that we just had immediately. Wow. But yeah, it was beautiful when he was pursuing me to realize like his radical availability to love me well. And from the very first, he was just all in, no matter how difficult I was Mm. to pursue. He just was so committed to, I think God is calling me to pursue you. So I guess what I'm going to, because I I think that you might be my future spouse. And so that really uh, like has been such a healing experience for me in many ways. But also like when I talk to 
friends who are dating and things, whenever I see that quality of just consistent pursuit, it just means yeah. so much to me. Like, <laughs> I think right. you can appreciate that too. Definitely. Yeah. And having that, that uh, grace of patience on him, I'm sure, uh, made it just that much easier to, to say yes when, when the big ask did come. How wonderful. Yeah, for cool. sure. Shelby, take me back to the beginning. What's your story of falling in love with Christ? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, like I mentioned, grew up here in Kansas City, um, went to Catholic school by the um, tremendous sacrifice of my parents, Yeah. Uh, K through 12. And I would say to that point and into college, um, I went to Rockhurst University. It's a Jesuit institution here in town. I would say I had little um, spurts of kind of faith or, or sure. interest in Christ. You know, there would be... Flashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a good retreat or a service project that like really hit. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't ever anything that I made super personal. You know, I'm I'm a big rule follower. I follow the rules. So I always went to mass on Sunday. But like that was kind of it sure. for a decent um, portion of my adolescence for sure. And I, looking back now, I think a lot of what I did was I, I placed my worth into different things. I'm an oldest child. I'm the oldest of three. Yeah. So rule follower for sure. Oh yeah. Firstborn. Rule, rule follower, achievement oriented. You know, you want to be the best. You want to do it all. And so, yeah, in high school and college, I really, I found ways to do that. So in high school, I loved theater and music. When I got big parts or big solos, I was like, yeah, I'm doing the thing. In college, my sorority was kind of where my passions lay. So I, you know, when I got into the right sorority and when I had the executive council role and, and then internships and stuff like that, I always found yeah. some way to define myself that, you know, made me feel pretty good. Sure. Um, but then when I graduated... I left college and um, immediately took a job at the school that I went to. So I worked at Rockhurst for a little bit um, because they would pay for my master's degree. So hey. I, yeah, so I worked in the admissions office and took night classes. What did you get your degree in? Um, so my undergrad is in marketing and then I have an MBA. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So loved it. Great education. Um, but yeah, so that it was at that point that my ability to kind of define myself sort of went into flux. Right. So you know, after I got the MBA, I was like, okay, I'm done now. Now I'm going to move on to this great high profile career that I've always dreamed of. And this is how that's going to go. Uh, plot twist <laughs> did not work out that way. Um, by the grace that's of God, so good. by the grace of God. Um, so I, yeah, I, it took me over a year and a half after finishing my master's to find a new job. Um, and so in March of 2020, I took my total dream job. I began working with our symphony here in town. What? Yeah. Doing like arts admin and working with their volunteers. Cool. Uh, such a dream come true. Um, but that was in March of 2020. If Can that... you get me tickets? I mean, that's great. Good yeah. For you. Yeah. Yeah. If that, um, means anything, but yeah, so that was the beginning of COVID obviously. And yeah, so I lost that job within six months. Bummer. Yeah. It was kind of one of those, you were the very last person we hired. I, yeah, Sorry. I got my laptop the week that Kansas city Gulp. shut down. Yup. Um, so anyway, in all of that, I, um, yeah, kind of got thrown into a real tailspin because I was like, wait, like I waited so long to find this dream job that was going to define me. And this is yeah. what I do. And now I don't even have a dream job. I don't have a way to support myself. So right. like we're kind of in a lurch here. Um, and again, by the grace of God, there was a job waiting open. Um, again, total miracle that it was for a lot of reasons mm -hmm. at St. Pius the 10th high school where I went. Mm -hmm. Um, so a, a family friend called me up and was like, Hey, I don't know if you're looking, but this is still open. We'd love to talk. 
Um, so I went there and yeah. What'd felt, you teach? I didn't teach actually. I worked in their admissions office. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Back to the admissions world. Nice. Um, yeah. But that time, I mean, I felt like honestly super broken. Like yeah, it was kind of a failure to launch moment. I wasn't proud of myself. This wasn't the trajectory that I thought I was going on. And in that brokenness, um, yeah, the Lord really came in and met me mm. there. So during that time, I started going to daily mass. They had that offered at um, the high school. So I started yeah. making that a part of my life. Um, really became interested in learning how to pray and kind of making this, you know, sort of more than just a spurt of energy. Right. But, you know, I had big questions. I mean, who am I? What am I doing here? Why does this matter? Yeah. And those questions um, turned me to the Lord. So, yeah, I took a a class with, um, blessed is she, if anyone's familiar, they're a a women's ministry based out of Phoenix, but they do this program called the well. And it's a virtual program where basically it's like an eight week prayer boot camp. And they, yeah, they teach you essentially how to pray and how to build a relationship with Christ, how to draw from the well. Yeah. Let's go. Oh yeah. It's so good. I would recommend it to literally anyone. Um, it's only for women. Sorry guys, but any women should do it. Um, yeah. And, and learned how to pray. And then in that time, again, began turning back to the Lord, um, and his mercy in the way that he does, he revealed, you know, some sins of my past that had been keeping us apart, you know, for years I had been pretty far from him. Um, yeah. And mercifully healed that many times over in the sacrament of confession. It's so good. Yeah. So it, it, that, kind of marked a real a real turning point and being surrounded by really great people there, not just, I mean, the students are phenomenal, um, but we had great campus ministers and people my age and teachers and chaplains and people really living out the faith who kind of ushered me in and, and helped me walk that path. So yeah, that was, that was about th- three, almost four years ago now. Nice. Um, yeah. And in that, I started coming around to City on a Hill as a young adult mm-hmm. um, and one of their invitations and joined a small group and yeah, it, it just all all spiraled from there. That's cool. Spiraled up, not down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. That's yeah. wonderful. Having these things outside of you that defined you. Like having I, mean, I just I see that in my firstborn. Gosh. Mm. Like, hey dad, look what I did. Not to this like you can only earn love from like doing or having something or accomplish something, but just like I am my position. Mm-hmm. Like I am my uh, resume. I am my LinkedIn profile. It's so much more common than I think people are willing to admit sometimes. Um, and even those who like are walking with the Lord, it's still there. Like that's a human, that's a human thing. So I totally feel that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, and there's always something that it feels like in every stage of your life that you can like grasp onto. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's just not a firm foundation. Things change. You lose your job, you yeah. know, even you know, I'm married now. And so now I'm like Tony's wife and that's amazing. And God willing for a very long time, but nothing is ever guaranteed, you know, with, with life and, and just how, how God works. The only thing that is certain is him. And so if you build your foundation anywhere else, come on, Matthew seven, let's go. Let's go. That's, I love that. That's what Jesus ends his sermon on the Mount with. Like he, he ends with ask, seek, knock. And then he tells the parable of the rock of the flood. And gosh, that's just, I love that. That's what he leaves people with. Yeah. He's like, don't get washed away. Who the rock? I'm the rock. Absolutely. And I was just thinking about, um, man, there's this misinterpretation, I think in the church of like sin and the Eucharist. So like there's a difference between mortal sin and venial sin. Mortal sin is like something that you, that you do that, uh, gosh, I need my catechism. 
uh, grave matter, full awareness, and full consent. It's, yeah, full knowledge, full consent, grave matter. Okay, yeah. full knowledge, full consent, and grave matter. So you know what you're doing, you're willing it, and it's super no bueno. And then venial sin, which is like not grave matter. So like speeding, for example. Point being that like when we are, like our venial sins, like the Lord, like those are absolved the first thing at Mass. First thing we do at Mass is we get together and we say, praise the Lord, oh, I I stink. I can't do this on my own, on my own. Mea culpa, mea culpa. Like I can't do this. It's literally the confidier. Like I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters. Like that's the first thing we do. Point being that the Eucharist is actually something that strengthens us against those things. Like those, like our venial sins should not be excuses from receiving Him in the Eucharist, but rather mm. the the point of yes. receiving him in the Eucharist. There was there was a quote I heard recently that su- struck me. Um, it was, our weaknesses are near occasions for communion mm. with God. Who said it? It's somebody, he, it was quoted from somebody else, but I heard it on um, Father, Father Boniface Hicks. He's a, a great priest. But yeah, it was just re- really striking to me because I think that's true, that the more... You're aware of your weaknesses the more that you're vulnerable yeah with the lord and with others you basically treat the lord like you treat others you know right it's a great marker um the more there's that vulnerability there the more like communion we experience with the lord because he's so drawn to um drawn to us as little as we are yeah you know man it's like walking around outside barefoot i don't know i'm just thinking of really weird examples maybe that doesn't <laughs> resonate with you at all but like man if you walk around for long enough like you're going to step on something that's going to get hurt, whether maybe it's your own decision to jump on that cool rock because you want to be like parkour or something. And then you cut your foot open. And you're like, ah, Lord, ah, help me. Anytime we fall, anytime we stumble, anytime we trip, anytime we put our foot in our mouth, whatever it is, like the Lord's ready to receive us right back. He's never, he never condemns us. Yeah. How crazy is that? The Lord literally never condemns us, but he'll convict us. Yeah. He'll convict us. Um, which is such a beautiful feeling. It's a, a crazy, unique experience to just be convicted of that I can't do it alone and that I'm not the end all be all of my own like identity or like what I'm called to do in life. Like I am not the end all be all. Man. Yeah. And the, I think Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University students, they have this saying that like Catholics live life on the rim or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like Mm-mm. our relationship with God informs our identity it actually reveals our identity that we're just mm-hmm. like our relationship is, you know, him and me, me and him, the Lord, triune, me. And then like he tells me that mm-hmm. I am beloved and I am, I can call on him, Abba, through the spirit, Romans. And that it's from that place of knowing who I am in him that I can then go out into the world and minister. It's really, um, it's really amazing how I think conversion is sometimes seen as this like external thing where, you know, you're changing one set of habits for another, which is true. It's part of conversion, mm-hmm. um, really important part, but that it really stems from this like identity understanding yeah. we have in Christ so that then all of our actions in life kind of shifts into that gear of yeah. becoming, li- becoming like Christ and right. like more united with him. Um, yeah. That, so I loved that about Shelby's story that there was that, really like clear like identity shift from like right you know the misunderstandings of it in these other ways to like really deeply belonging and right. being loved 
tell me about your relationship with the Eucharist today. Like, what's that look like on a daily basis? Or just maybe just in, more in general, like your faith. What's your faith lived out every day look like right now? Yeah, so um, it's very important for my husband and I to do um, some prayer time together every day. And if at all possible, to go to um, daily mass, maybe together if possible, because again, we're being fed together and as a yeah. family, not just as individuals. And then um, a really important thing, which um, is really on our hearts, is that like our prayer is also feeding back into our life, where mm. my husband after prayer time one day said, I feel more called to invest, so I feel called to invest in the poor more. Um, I need to, you know, sign up for Habitat for Humanity or something to do something very concrete or like in our prayer as a couple, like what is God like calling yeah. us to regarding this decision? So right. th that's really important. Um, Cause you're discerning together. You're receiving, yes. you're drawing from the well together, you're receiving, and then you are also discerning that with one another. Yeah. And then it's also on my heart as well to be very bold about sharing vulnerably sharing our family life and the gospel with others saint paul says so much did we love you that we not gave you not only the gospel but ourselves as well yeah, and that's always yeah. struck me as that's like the core of what i want my life to be about that the gospel um is so personal and beautiful it's only fitting that i also give my life yeah. with the gospel to others yeah. and so finding ways to do we've just consistently try to pursue ways to do that. Yeah, Those are, I would say, like the main ways we try to live that out. That's really a beautiful witness, honestly, just thinking about how this, this openness, this radical openness, that's the openness of Mary to where she got totally rocked. Like, what would you do if an angel showed up in the room that you're listening to this right now? Like, hello, just glowing orb of power in your room, okay. Well, I don't have a husband. Is that is that gonna is that still gonna work then? It's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and she's like, yes, like the fiat, just yes, I I will do it. Let's go. When yeah. you give God that kind of radical openness, like here's a check, Lord, write on it what you want. Yeah, that it's always an adventure. Yeah. Like that's I've come to just like realize like okay, like if we're living life this way, there will always be adventures because right. <laughs> our God really does have an an amazing, beautiful plan. Yeah. And he's not like a school teacher where he's going to like grade our tests and be like, okay, now go home. He's going to adventure with us. That's why I love, one of the reasons I love St. John Paul II, because I feel like this man really just lived that type of life um, of like adventuring with people, like a true companionship with the people whom he was yeah, sh uh, shepherding and stewarding. Like I just... I, I love that. Like, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to live life with you. I'm going to do mission together with you. It's it's not a you and me, uh, separate parties kind of thing, but we are all um, doing this and running with one another. Yeah. I should also add to our domestic church circles been very formational for us as mm. a couple. And that's a great way of us continually getting. Um, Say more about that. I don't know what you mean. So domestic church is a movement that started under John Paul II when he was archbishop in Poland and um, basically came out of the light life young adult movement there. But it's now a worldwide movement of couples with like gospel oriented retreat for couples cool. and then circles where they have um, 
really beautiful formation as to how to pray and how to be committed to the gospel as a couple. Mm. So that's just been something um, that's been really feeding us because you also need to be poured into, not just like preached. Come on. Give out, so. Yeah. So it's called domestic church. I'm looking this up for myself because what's it called? Domestic church. Domestic church. We're in the first circle on the Kansas side. Um, it's just called. It's um, just called domestic church. That's the name of the movement. I can send you the link. Cool. But it's. Um, it's Let's really, go. I've never encountered anything so deep. I've worked ah, for four years in marriage and family ministry, and I, they taught us to do couple prayer in a really cool way where we both ask the same question to the Lord, like, what do I need to forgive my spouse for? Or what is mm. God calling us to as a couple? And then each of us wait for the response from God and yeah. then share that with each other and then we both pray together. Mm. So integrating how to integrate our own personal prayer into like our life as a family. Cool. Um, so just things like that. It's been really fruitful. So um, my in part of my reversion, one of the the big things for me was spending time in a chapel um, and it kind of came about um, we'll say by an inspiration of the Holy Spirit one day I had a at St. Pius, they obviously have a beautiful chapel there. And I was walking to go see one of my best friends who worked as a teacher there. And we would see each other every day mm -hmm. without fail. Always had to check in. And one day as I was walking to her room, I passed the chapel and I was like, okay, this is this is something, you know. I want to see my best friend every day. I make it a point to connect with her. I'm literally walking past Christ. Right. Maybe I should, maybe I should make this a point too. Um, so I made the decision then and there that no matter what my day looked like, I would pop in at least for a little bit. Cool. And I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't put any rules or structure around it. I was like, well, if I've got two minutes, I've got two minutes. And if I've got two hours, I've got two hours. Yep. But whatever it is, I'm going to give what I have that day. Um, and that kind of laid a, a foundation that I, I try to carry. So my my mornings or my my structured prayer time, my relationship with God, I used to be able to do it at my house, and now I can't. I yeah. go to the church because um, that's where I find I I enter in well, and of course He's there. So why yeah. wouldn't I want to be there? So yeah. yeah. So it it for me right now looks like um, thirty minutes of just silence in front of the tabernacle, and then um, our our church community prays the rosary together before mass and daily mass. And that's kind of my sweet rhythm, rhythm of life. My husband's work doesn't allow him to join me. So we make sure that we pray together at the end of the day. But um, nice. Yeah, that's I think being there has been a lot um, for me. Cool. Growing. Yeah. Give the Lord your best and he will bless the rest. Come on. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the thing. And whatever you give, whatever you have to give, he's so generous. And yeah. He'll transform receptive it. to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. He's Just not going to be like, uh, no, there's a five-minute minimum. Okay? Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. You, mm, excuse You could do a little more, I think. <laughs> you were checking your phone for a while there. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. No. Just so generous and gracious. So mm. Follow-up question. What do you think the Lord is doing in the church right now? It seems like the Lord is raising up a bunch of lay saints in our generation to renew the church. Yeah. That's, I've been inspired to make that like the central prayer intention of my life, I think, um, which to pray for the saints in our generation, it's always the saints to renew the church and renew a particular place. And we're in a really cool time where there's, there's always been lay saints, people in the world who yeah. are living holy lives 
Now, though, like there's even more opportunities than ever because everyone lives in a missionary context where yeah. there's people who don't know the Lord. Come on. And lay people have more time and availability than they have in past centuries due to mm. modern conveniences. So we literally have like a lot of tools at our disposal. Yeah. And I also see that that we're in a time of missionary energy of just saying, Lord, how do you want us to like build your kingdom in this country? It's, it's maybe been more clear in the past. There's been more temp- like templates already existing because it was yeah. a Christian culture. We live in a time now where there's lots of opportunities for creativity and yeah. so many unique stories of um, saints that will come out of this time. And I also see like maybe a renewed appreciation for the gift of the gospel and the good news. Cause you really have to see the darkness. You have to see what the world is like without the gospel to appreciate what Jesus has done for us in all its beauty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great reflection just considering how, um, I was on this mountain once upon a time and it was the mountain that I ended up proposing to my wife on. Oh, beautiful. She said, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> but man, it was just like, Oh wow, this is so beautiful. Look at the view. It's great. And then we're hiking and then we come to this like cliff, like the edge of a cliff, literally. And it's not like well protected or anything. It's like if you take one step, you will fall like 300 feet straight down. Like that's kind of scary, but it looks pretty down there. At least it would look pretty when, sorry, that was very dark. But um, yeah, but like it's, um, we, you don't realize like where you're at until you see how, how like dark it could be if just like one step this way. Or even just environmentally, like the darkness around us, right? But we're called to be that light, uh, to carry that light within us. And light doesn't have to work hard. You know what I mean? Like it just mm-hmm. shines. It's just, it's inherent. It's um, it's an innate quality of light is that it just shines and it puts the darkness out, puts it away. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lot of, if I could speak into it, I just think there's going to be wanting to live a radical life of total just otherness for Jesus and for his bride, the church is so admirable. And I think even more so is to do so in a way that's hidden and not concerned about like glory or being seen Mm -hmm. because everything today is like media screens everywhere. Post it, you know, just like, Oh, if it's that, what's that saying is like, Pixar didn't happen. Pixar didn't happen. It's like, no, it happened. Like, and, and that, that can be enough actually for us. Um, to know that those sacrifices aren't lost because if we receive glory, I mean, Jesus himself tells us like if we're doing things and if it doesn't get posted, then, uh, you know, I just like, uh, it makes me feel sick or whatever. But it's like, Jesus says, blessed are you. And you go to your room, go to your inner room, lock the door and pray to your father who's in secret, in secret. And he will mm-hmm. glorify you and honor you in that. Um, and there'll be a special grace in there. Oh, I thought of something else. Bring Can it on. I share? The beauty of the human person and how the human person is designed and um, the dignity of the person and the family is something I think that the church is going to sustain and Mm. shed new light on and keep alive, Um, especially in this time. I think of like in one period of, um, of history, there was, there was a lot of darkness and Mm. chaos in the world and it was religious life that really cultivated and protected the heritage of um, literacy and education. 
I think now it's time for the church and especially lay people to safeguard the the heritage of the human person, mm. which is human dignity, it's human life, yeah. it's um, the family. So you're right, yeah. And just on top of that, like there, I feel like right now in the world, you know, we hear numbers in like people are leaving the church in mass, like E N M A S S E, like and like in large quantities, large people. <laughs> Maybe I should come up with a different way to explain that, so I don't have to explain it every time. So <laughs> people are leaving the church in droves. How about that? Um, <laughs> But like the remnant that remains is going to be faithful. Like the remnant will be faithful. Like because Israel, the remnant, even the remnant, like in the Old Testament, wasn't always faithful. But I feel like now, I'm not saying there's like a a self-righteousness thing going on, but I just feel like there's going to be this this, this dedication to living upright lives and preserving that which is holy and saying, yeah, holy. And at the same time, we are still called to try to understand the people who've left and be very tuned in to what concerns yeah. them, what, you know, it's just an interesting call. It's really actually a really difficult thing to achieve in some ways because it calls us out of our comfort zone, but to still stay faithful as the remnant, to still be the light right. and to remain in that, but also at the same time to not lose touch yeah. with our brothers and sisters who are not living that way and have right. a completely different worldview yeah. to understand them without being like them. Right. You know, and that's yeah. just really to understand and love them without being like them. That's right. I, f- I feel like the tension that we experience most right now. Yeah, we all we need to be like spiritual polyglots, if that makes sense. Like we need to know the language of the people that we are around, um, the way in which they communicate, the way how to, like how to say something and it be received well, and not just be like, "Here's my church talk and stuff." Because your neighbors aren't changing, folks. Like they're not like my next door neighbors. I'm getting new neighbors because they're moving in, but like. Um, like they're not going anywhere, you know? So we should, we need to like, not just recluse. We're not called to be recluses in the world as lay people in the world. We're not called to be reclusive, but, uh, to engage, to engage those around us. I've been really inspired lately. I think by the way that the beauty of the church continues to speak to people, I think as we've gotten, as you know, the outside world gets crazier and as people, you know, get pulled in a million different directions, I think the stability and the beauty that that Christ offers through the church is becoming more and more attractive to people. Um, I got married in June, and we the majority of my family is non-Catholic. Um, Same did the full mass and all of that, and I was amazed at so at the people who came up to me and was like, "That was beautiful. What was that?" I was like, well, "That's called the mass. That happens mm-hmm. every Sunday. If you want to, you know, keep checking that out." But I think even I think the church standing standing firm for what she is and what she believes in, I think, is a draw to people. You know. Like I said, my own story, I, I stood a lot on a lot of different shifting things that yeah. moved and changed and there, there was no firm anchor in that. And I think the church now more than ever is this beautiful anchor and, and beacon um, for people that I think in our role as, as lay Catholics, if we can, if we can expose them to that beauty, if we yeah. can show them it. Um, I, I think that's going to be really powerful as we go forward. I'm personally excited and fired up yeah. um, about where I see the church headed, to be totally honest. Amen. So there's a lot of folks out there who, um, you know, maybe through no, no fault of their own per se, but just might be on the fence with respect to the Holy Eucharist. Like maybe they have a hard time. Maybe they're having a hard time wrapping their heads around this, this, this truth, this reality, this mystery of just beauty. And maybe there's, um, they're, 
they they understand logically, but it just hasn't clicked in their heart yet. Like, what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence with respect to the Eucharist? Sometimes I think the best thing is to just go sit in front of the Eucharist and ask Jesus, say, Jesus, you know, I want to believe that you're here, if that's true for you. You know, like, just tell him exactly yeah. what you're thinking and then just listen and... Also, I, I think it's really important to ask yourself the question, do you want this to be true or not and mm. why? So I think that that's something with faith. Um, yeah, we have our own biases and like wounds and faults that kind of like, like, d like kind of shape our lens a lot for yeah. looking at things. And then it's also like important to remember that faith is a gift. Like we don't have to come at this completely. It is ra it is rational based on what, on who God is, who He's revealed Himself to be, that we believe. Like it's it's a rational it's a rational thing to do. Yeah. It's, but it's not fully it's not fully just me thinking. Okay, this makes sense, so therefore it's true. I believe it because I trust in God who revealed Himself, and He right. revealed this to be true and i trust who god is and that's yeah. really what that act of faith is it's not yeah. i just think this you yeah know? like that's that's a great point that's like it's not just a mere you know battle of willpower it's not like just this willed ascent like i believe i'm gonna white knuckle this or it's true dang it it's a gift that god gives you know right. <laughs> and that's that's amazing right. that we don't have to yeah do that we can come into agreement with the fact that god's trustworthy he's not going to deceive us he doesn't play tricks on us he's not He's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would say one of the things that helped me um, is doing something that either mentally or physically that reminds me that this is true. So for example, so much of that is baked into what we already do as Catholics, right? You genuflect when you come in. But how, how do you take that farther? So not just, okay, I'm dropping to a knee because that's what I'm usually do. But what am I saying to Christ in that moment? Like, if I'm walking into a church, like, am I telling him hello? Like, how how am I connecting in, in my heart and in my body and in my brain? Yeah. That's him, and I'm going to act like it is. And we have opportunities to do it. I mean, all the time. Shoot, like, when you're, when you're driving by a Catholic church, like, hey, Jesus, I love you. Just, like, yep. some mental stop that's like, that's a Catholic church, so there's a tabernacle. There's Jesus. He's loving me in there. He knows that I'm driving by mm -hmm. because he's God. How am I acknowledging him? Yeah. Um, so I think that can be kind of a good, not mind over matter, but sometimes at least for me, I kind of have to be in a habit of doing something and then, and then my heart and my brain can kind of catch up a little later. If yeah. I'm doing something physically or outwardly that acknowledges that, then it's like, okay, yeah, that yeah. is true. And again, it doesn't make it true. It's always true. It's just how, how am I relating myself yeah. to that? That's I a guess. great point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're speaking, yeah, spiritual theology terms. Like you are, you are doing the next right thing in the words of the all-knowing Elsa. Um, <laughs> oh, or is it, is it Elsa or Anna? I forget. Anna. I think it's Anna. Yeah, it's do the Anna. next. Hey, good for you. You know, you got the Disney cup. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, doing the next right thing. Like what's, what discernment 101 is like, what's the Lord's plan for my life? It's like, well, just do the next right thing. Just be faithful in the small things. And before you know it, it's going to allow you if you're if you're continually faithful in those small things saying yes to God in those small ways that you're going to be able to be faithful to him in the big ways and 
the calls just going to become like radiantly clear in front of you. So yeah, I just think the not that you were virtue signaling at all, but it's like, how do you do? How do you? I mean, you you said it yourself. Like I have to do things to remind me of this truth of this reality. Otherwise, it's like it's not on my mind. It's not on the forefront of my uh, my heart, my soul. Yeah. yeah, and I will say it's um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I had the great pleasure of going to the Holy Land this year. And one of the things that really stuck out to me from that experience actually had to do with the Eucharist. So when I, I went into the trip, I, I purposely didn't do a lot of research. Mm. Um, my spiritual director was like, just go and blank check, see what mm. the Lord does. And um, for those who who don't know, like I didn't, the Catholics actually controlled the majority of the holy sites in the Holy Land um, through the Franciscans. And so I didn't expect that when we were going to all these places, they were Catholic churches and they had tabernacles Mm. um, and usually multiple altars. Priests um, celebrate with groups all the time. And it was so beautiful to see people acknowledging Jesus and that immediate bond you formed with that person because yeah. I mean they're Catholic sites but obviously mm-hmm. people from from all faiths all religious backgrounds are touring but you immediately felt this connection with another Catholic because when they came in they genuflected like yeah. they knew who that was or yeah. when we were saying mass if there were other groups around they would stop and kneel at the consecration because yeah. we all knew who that was and right. that knowledge and that acknowledgement transcended I mean language age you name it and just really yeah yeah was inspiring it's like, it's like spiritual genetics or something it's like you totally you share the same heritage you yeah. share the same dna um and i love this i love getting all weird about this like because jesus we get you know analogies fail but jesus we all receive the same christ yeah in the eucharist come on Bonkers. moms I've, I've said this a million times already on the podcast but like moms your children's dna is going to run in your bloodstream for the rest of your life your children's separate, different, distinct DNA is in your bloodstream for the rest of your life. How yeah. cool. And the same thing goes for us, like all of us, when we receive our Lord. Uh, not that our actual, we have DNA changes. Right? I'm not saying the Lord's about eugenics or anything weird like that. <laughs> it's it's just this the spiritual reality that you're you're speaking to, for sure. Yeah, mm. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's cool to see my kids. Like when we're we're driving to school, you know, I take them to school every almost every day, and we drive by Fifteenth and Wakarusa, and we can see Corpus Christi just down the road. It's one of those churches that's built like perfectly on the on the west side of town. If you look east, like the front door, it's it's the right way. It was built in such a way that the priest, when celebrating mass, was facing east. I don't know. It's just like go. It's cruciform church. Let's go. Thank you, holy architecture. But like every time we we drive through that intersection, we say, hi, Jesus. Hi, Jesus. We make a sign of the cross, you know, and just those little things really add up. Yeah, those little things really add up um, to, to just drive home this point that like, okay, he's, he's truly there. He's truly there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just love the point of making an honest ask of the Lord. Like those questions that you, that you spoke to, Catherine, that you're like, do I want to believe this Jesus? Do I want to believe that you're actually there? And then like, let him answer and not you answer for yourself, but like, let him answer and then ask follow-up questions as to like, okay, well, why? Okay. Oh, that's a good point. And then just like, let him speak. Cause whenever we ask the Lord direct questions, he always answers. He always speaks directly to us when we ask him direct questions because that's just who he is. Also, I yeah. think we're afraid sometimes of inviting people to the Eucharist. Cause like, what if, you know, they don't 
believe and, and i mean like something like adoration or something or, sure. where, i mean mass you really should like help people know how to enter into mass if they've yeah. never been before like let them know that you know they can't receive communion yet because you have to really have faith and be integrated into the church right. you believe everything you know the church teaches yep. to, you know all, all that but when you bring someone to adoration they don't necessarily have to believe yet and um i actually did that one time with somebody in my apartment complex who was a fallen away catholic um and it, it just yeah I, I i had her over for dinner and said well you know i have to head out for my adoration hour very soon and she asked like what it was and i just you know told her about john 6 that jesus says this is i'm the bread of life and we just take that very very we just take that to be true we take just it take for that, real take it very authentically as what he wants and yeah. so um so i just said you know you could come with me if you want yeah and she just sat there with me i just like you know there's like no yeah. expectation she just like came with me and like a couple weeks later she texted me and asked for the code to the chapel let's go and very soon she was back again as a catholic as a practicing catholic and high five, in love mama. with jesus high five come on and you know <laughs> it's it just because jesus is really there so if you yeah. bring someone there it's really like yeah. jesus's job to convince people yeah. um even though sometimes we're called to help con make the connection and introduction right this is i mean I love that you just spoke to that because today's the feast of St. Andrew. And as we sit here recording, it's like, well, we're, we remember St. Andrew going to his brother, Peter, Simon, dude, check it out. We, I found him. I found the Messiah. Like this is him. And what did he do? Come and see, come and see. Ah, yeah. Same thing with, with Nathaniel. Same thing. Come and see Bartholomew. Come and see him. People uh, respond well to be given freedom, yeah. like all always, like they need to yeah. be like put in the driver's seat of their, I think we sometimes perceive like, okay, like if I need to introduce someone else to Jesus, like the majority of the work is on me and yeah. I just have to like convince them when it's really like, yeah. if we really know what Jesus is about and his approach to souls then we can just joyfully reflect that yeah. and make the invitation leave open doors and say like you don't know what you're missing just try like yeah. you it's, it's you know and really like love that person's freedom that they right. like actually can yep yeah come to the lord you don't need to put them in the grocery cart you know what i'm talking about like with your kids put yeah. them in the grocery cart you don't need to do that like they can drive themselves you know they can come alongside you there's no like you can hold their hand to the place, whatever. Don't drag them per se, but you, you you need to honor that agency for sure. That bears fruit. Totally. Well, and I think we're just so interconnected as people that, you know, we want someone to say like, I'll come alongside you or I'll, I'll be here in this journey. Um, one of the things that was impactful for me in my reversion, like I said, when I went to the chapel is that our chaplain was sitting there. He didn't say anything to me. Yeah. He wasn't like spouting anything, but sure. just something about like, okay, you're the holiest person I know. And you're doing this. There's something there. Yeah. So like, I think that the way we live our lives, the way we invite people, I think is, is really important. But like Catherine said, it, it doesn't have to be excessive work or like, Oh, well, I've got to do this. Just show up, live your life, invite people to come alongside you. And, and God works in truly incredible ways. Amen. Yeah. Do you want to speak about a little bit about, um, I think you gave a, uh, a pretty good pitch as to like what city on a hill is. But more like boots on the ground. What are you guys doing like every day? Not like what's your day to day work look like, but <laughs> yeah. like 
what can people get involved with? So um, there's really something for everyone when it comes to, um, you don't have to be Catholic to attend. Um, and, and not everyone in City on the Hill is Catholic, but there is um, sports leagues that run year round. There's service events for each of those um, sports leagues and a social, there's big social events like our Tuesdays at the Boulevard event and a new event similar to that will be starting on the Kansas side. There's adoration nights that we hold around the city with confession and just by candlelight, super beautiful. If you want, if you were listening to this and just want to experience Jesus. When's your next one? Time. Um, it's, in, it's in February. Oh, we have um, a bunch of retreats and also um, an adventure trip and a mission trip. Adventure trip sounds fun. Very fun. Um, Shelby went this last year with the group. We also have um, formation opportunities and small groups for both men and women, band of brothers and sisterhood groups that cool. meet throughout the city. We also operate where young adults run everything. So the staff, we take a very backseat role supporting logistics and offering formation. The formation stuff is the only piece we take a really front row seat in. Everything yeah. else, we just recognize that like, hey, you know, Young, each young adult, um, each of us is given um, through our baptism a call to mission. Mm. And so we can just invite into the mission of running these outreach events yeah. and um, community events. We can invite young adults into that to live um, their love for Christ and yeah. to encounter other young adults for him. I love that. I love that. Agency. Come on in. You can do this. Do you want to? Dude, yeah, go for it. Take it. The community is whoever really steps up and says, I want to be a part of this community yeah. and influence it for the Lord. Yeah. I want to help. I will serve. Anything yes. you add to that, Shelby? Yeah. No, I, I echo everything Catherine says. Yeah. Come on down. Come on, see it for yourself. Um, yeah. Tuesdays at the Boulevard. I think if, if someone said, like, what does City on a Hill do? I'd say Tuesdays is probably the first thing that comes to people's minds. It's free minds. beer, right? It's not totally free. It's just kidding. severely discounted beer. Um, but no, but you come out for an evening and we all have mass together as a community and then head over to Boulevard Brewing Co. Nice. Um, yeah. So just I, I, I would really encourage anybody um, wherever you're at and your walk with Christ or whatever you're thinking about, like, just come. Uh, when I came, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I think I knew one person. I was terrified um, to just show up to this event. And right. Yeah, and obviously here I am three years later, so I haven't looked back since. But yeah, just just come and enjoy. There is truly something for everybody, um, no matter where you're at. We we'd love to walk with you, and and there are about you know two thousand of your closest friends who'd love to come alongside you. Too. And and if you're not an extrovert who enjoys the concept of two thousand closest friends, we have um, a really good first step event called Connect KC, which those are hosted by two young adults in different um, public spaces throughout the city and more of an interest based way um it's a good way of plugging in though they can connect you to other things in city on a hill and basically it's like coffee shop tour a foodie tour a hike i mean so many different sure. smaller group events if you want to just hang out with 10 people nice do you have a frisbee golf club or crew not yet should we uh it's only the best sport ever <laughs> I think yeah. Father Mattingly would be really excited about that. He's yeah. into the disc golf. He is. Yeah. It's one of we, our chaplains. We've actually been a couple times. Pretty fun to watch a priest go out in a cassock and Birkenstocks and play frisbee golf. It's <laughs> it's a head turner. And he's pretty good. So Father Mattingly, you rock. Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for letting us post up here. Um, yeah, so I can't, I can't say enough. 
great things about City on a Hill. You guys are taking the world by storm. So thanks for all that you guys do. Seriously, thanks for your apostolate. Thanks for your directorship. Thanks for making all the awesome events happen. Getting the, as you said, severe discounts on beer. That's so funny. (laughs) Significant (laughs) discounts. Yes. (laughs) Um, They are drastic. Shelby loves to make things beautiful. And that's just something like we have as a principle. Let's go. In in any event, if we're going to love people like Jesus, we need to love them well. I mean, like, if it's not a pretty event, if it doesn't make you want to be there, then it's not worthy of being called an outreach event. (laughs) Right. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us all today, dear listeners. And I hope this episode has blessed you. And I, if it did, just throw a couple five stars on there and, you know, share it with your friends and family, people in your spheres of influence, because um, this is making an impact. So praise be to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for all that you're doing through this effort. So thanks for joining us today. This has been New Mana. We'll see you next week. God bless you.